Gentlemen, bears, tribbles, and things to episode 85 of the Muppet Trek podcast. I'm Steve. And I'm Jarman, and we're here to compare, contrast, and confer about our two favorite franchises. And what are those, Steve? The Muppets and Star Trek. We've been doing one to one reviews of The Muppet Show, and we switched over to Star Trek, the animated series. Oh, hell yeah. And we're here to bring it to you hard. Hell yeah. And tonight we're covering The Muppet Show, a special guest star, Phyllis George, everyone's favorite, and Star Trek origin- animated series episode, More Triples, More Troubles. So I, had you heard of Phyllis George? Had you even heard the name before? <laughs> it rang a slightest of a bell, like a little tiny bell that's being rung by a mouse in a corner in the other room. But that's about it. Well, <laughs> she was Miss Texas in 1971. Oh. Uh, Miss America shortly after, and then she pivoted that into a sports broadcasting career. She became the co-host of CBS's The NFL Today, and she was one of the first women to do national televised sports broadcasting. That's awesome. the way for a lot of people. That makes sense because she, she is became, beautiful, so that makes a lot of sense. And well-spoken. Yeah, very uh, well-spoken. She became the host of the CBS Morning News in 85 and founded several very successful companies, That's including awesome. one that manufactured chicken cutlets. I respect the hell out uh, of her now. But what does our audience know her from? Well, if you're a classic football fan, she's probably familiar. But otherwise, she only has two IMDb credits, like acting credits (laughs) to her name. Uh, She had a small role in Meet the Parents with Ben Stiller. And her most recent credit was a a short film in 2007 starring Sean Astin. Hmm. And I get this name. I had to do a double take and I had to look it up. It's called My Wife is Retarded. Oh, my God. That's terrible. That is the name of the short film. And I had to look it up, and I found clips and stuff. But basically, the idea is Sean Astin is this, you know, he's a short kind of homely guy. <laughs> and the idea is that he marries this complete hottie. Mm-hmm. And he can't figure out why she's there. And they go to a doctor, and they find and the doctor's like, well, she's retarded. Oh, and suddenly, like, no. everything comes into focus for him. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was like, oh, my gosh, that film exists. So she had a very small role in that. OK, so she wasn't the um, special needs wife. then. <laughs> no, that was another actress that you would recognize that was in Iron Man and Trick or Treat and a few other things whose name I'm just not remembering. OK, right but I mean, yeah, that's uh, a she's a very impressive person. And she's she's got a you know, very she's beautiful. Oh, and and, she was yeah. she was married to the guy who bought KFC from Colonel Sanders for a while. Oh, that's weird. So she married super rich, too, for that matter. Um, all right, but what's she up to this week on on the show? Yeah. Well, on stage, Kermit introduces Phyllis George, but warns the audience that it's going to be a dumb show. Uh, Phyllis comes out, and Kermit uh, says he's going to take the night off because Phyllis is hosting the first annual Muppet Awards. Uh, the Swedish chef shows up singing a gibberish version of Yes, We Have No Bananas as he violently sh- uh, shops for produce, and he's eventually joined by the produce in singing. Uh, Fozzie introduces Phyllis to present the first Fred Award of the night, and they present Best Foreign Act. She announces the nominees. Upon hearing their names, the Zucchini Brothers rush the stage, assuming that they've won, and they take the award. 
Uh, next is the Best Sketch Award nominee. We cut away to Pigs in Space. The crew's arguing about which episode should be nominated, and they're boarded by a space pig, but then they switch directions, and it ends with Strange Pork doing uh, disco. <laughs> Following this is uh, the uh, number for Best Song. Uh, Phyllis hits the stage with Rolf and sings Carbon Paper in a sultry red dress. Scooter presents the nominees for best performance by an inanimate object and brings up singing food, talking luggage, and the dancing mountains. Uh, the dancing mountains win, but Kermit stops them before they come and ruin the theater. <laughs> Scooter then gets to best comedy bear. Fozzie comes out, but he doesn't win. And he is just a broken man as another bear wins and then makes fun of him. <laughs> Phyllis takes the stage and introduces another nominee for Song of the Year. We get Rolf performing You and I and George, which is short and sweet and funny. Link Hogthrob introduces Bent's Stunt of the Year, and it's a recreation of the falling Alfonso's who plummet and hit him in the head. Fozzie brings out Scooter to read the best guest star nominees. Scooter sings a list of previous guests to the tune of I Am the Very Modern of a, a Model of a Modern Major General, and it's really actually very impressive. It was awesome. I love that. <laughs> Uh, and, and musically, it includes, I think, one or two guests that we haven't even seen yet. Uh, Phyllis George wins and presents to herself as best uh, best guest. Beauregard brings her a broom to clean up the confetti they just shot. And Beauregard introduces Vestinary's Hospital for nomination for best sketch. Dr. Bob is practicing his acceptance speech, skipping over the sketch. Piggy realizes that she is in both sketches, and so she's going to win either way. <laughs> Uh, Phyllis goes to uh, to reach for the to read the winner, but reveals that nobody won. Piggy is outraged until she finds out she is nominated uh, for Performer of the Year, and it turns out she's up against Kermit. Kermit wins. Piggy is double pissed and is about to physically assault him when he thanks her and gives her a kiss. Mm. Uh, the backstage plot this week mostly revolves around nominees gathering, waiting for awards, and Kermit trying to calm people down and keep things settled backstage. Uh, we do get a brief visit with uh, Louis Kazagger from Muppet Sports, where uh, the Zucchini Brothers have the award, and then other guys on poles come in and steal it, and they fight each other, and then there's a monster there, and you get a brief cameo from the African tribal puppets from the Harry Belafonte episode. <laughs> And Russian pigs, it descends into chaos. Um, Phyllis announces the end of the show. Kermit leads them in There's No Business Like Show Business. They're joined by a ton of Muppets and nominees and winners. Kermit thanks Phyllis, reveals the judges were actually rats, and that is what we call the Muppet Show. <laughs> this might be one of my thickest summaries because so much was so random. Yeah, I was going to say, that's like one of your longest summaries. <laughs> yeah, man. It was just because there was no through line for anything, it was all random. Uh, so, German, what did you think of this week's episode with special guest Phyllis George? So I actually did enjoy the episode because it was so random and different. Like, what is happening next? I don't know what's going to happen here. Um, I think at initially my thought was they underutilized Phyllis George. But now kind of knowing what her background is and who what she was famous for at the time, it was kind of appropriate to make her just a host of something because that's kind of like a businesswoman, um, a Miss America winner. That's something they're good at doing is hosting and being that kind of figurehead. Um, but she was actually a really good singer, considering that's not what she's known for. She was, I thought, very, that was a great performance. It was sexy. It was interesting. It was well sung. Um, but yeah, kind of underutilized because she didn't really have any sketches per se. She just had that one song and then she was just hosting the rest of the time. Um, that's very true. Yeah. 
But she wasn't bad at what she did, and she seemed like she's really happy to be there. So I like that. That's not always the case. Um, but the Muppets were given a great time to shine, and I really enjoyed the plot of the award show and Kermit winning in the end. But as I said earlier, I think my favorite part of the, pod, the podcast, my favorite part of the show was uh, Scooter's song, recapping all the guests. Cause it was like a trip down memory lane of this podcast, basically. <laughs> so that was pretty yeah. cool. What about you? But yeah. Uh, yeah, he actually, I think he, uh, he mentioned Senior Wences, and he's not on to like the end of the season. Oh, gotcha. Good. I missed that one. And it was the back of Charles Aznavar's head that they showed. That was weird. When they mentioned him. Yeah, it was weird. Um, I agree. It was all over the place. We did get a large smattering of things. We got a couple Muppet regulars, Muppet Sports, Veterinarian's Hospital, um, Pigs in Space. Swedish Chef. Swedish Chef. Um, a lot of musical numbers and kind of a best of stuff we've already heard. Uh, I agree. They could have done a little bit more with her. They could have done a little bit more with the sketch or maybe even the winning aspect. There could have been a um, definitive backstage plot in in tandem with that. Right. right. Like Piggy is nervous because she's sure she's going to win performer of the year. Right. And that, that thread carries the rest. But instead, she found out at the end there wasn't time to develop it, you know, those sort of things. Yeah. Um, but overall, a good episode. I don't, I can't imagine this will end up in my top three for the season. Exactly. Me neither. It's like a solid middle episode, like a solid middle But a episode. solid middle episode. Yeah. I can't fault it for much. Because it was different and they took a chance, you know, it was interesting. Uh, well, music this week. As mentioned, every musical number is something we've heard before. Yes, we have no bananas. This uh, this song. So I had to pick different facts from the ones I've already given you. Mm. Oh, yeah. That, that was before we started recording. So, yeah, apparently all these songs were already used in other episodes before, which I was. Yeah, every was, song is a different episode. I didn't notice that until you said that. So that's crazy. Uh, yes, we have no bananas. This song at one point was the best selling sheet music in American history. Wow. Carbon Paper, written by Abe Burroughs. In college, Abe Burroughs worked as a runner on Wall Street. He was literally one of the kids on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange running papers between buyers and sellers and fighting the crowds. <laughs> Random. Uh, you and I and George, it was written by Red Kelly. He originally wanted to play the drums as a child, but after a bout with polio as a boy, he couldn't use his feet to, to really utilize the kick drum or the hi-hat. And that's when he switched to the double bass, which he played professionally. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, There's No Business Like Show Business by Irving Berlin from Annie Get Your Gun. Uh, Berlin's first song published was called Marie from Sunny Italy. It was published in 1907, and he sold the publishing rights for 33 cents. Wow. That's right. <laughs> for a sandwich. Different time. <laughs> so, German, what, what was your favorite Muppeteering moment this week? Um, I, I think... Even though I, you know, of course, love the scooter number, it wasn't a really Muppeteering moment. I put the Swedish Chef number because even though it wasn't like the most enthralling number, having all that those vegetables that they had to puppet by hand in one little cart in a small space, all singing different parts of a song, that was pretty impressive. If you really, if you really think about it, it was just pretty impressive in that regard. Uh, I'm going to give it to when uh, Louis Kazagas was doing the the Muppet Sports Report backstage with the Zucchini Brothers. And then those guys fly in on the poles and mm. then the African puppets and then a monster. There was just so much happening. Rapid fire <laughs> with no cuts. That's true. That must have been pure chaos. <laughs> Maybe not well coordinated, but pure chaos. <laughs> I didn't think about that. That's very true. They pulled off so well. So I forget about it. That's right. So, Jarman, 
What happened on this week's episode of Star Trek, the animated series? More Tribbles, more trouble. That's right. So we are getting a sequel to uh, The Trouble with Tribbles, which is pretty amazing. Um, So we have the Enterprise escorting two drone ships filled with grain to a famine-stricken planet called, wait for it, Sherman's Planet. (laughs) The really creative name. Belongs to some guy named Sherman who's really fucking it up, apparently, because they have no grain. They're in a famine. So on the way... It runs into a Klingon battlecruiser um, who's attacking a small Federation scout ship. So obviously the Enterprise has intervened because it's a Federation scout ship. The Enterprise beams the pilot aboard just before the Klingons destroy the ship. And it turns out that it's none other than Cyrano Jones, the guy that they beamed over, the same con man who was trying to sell triples back on the Trouble with Triples episode. And they also beamed over the tons of triples that he had on his scout ship to the Enterprise at the same time. And they're all pink, which we'll discuss later why that is. I have some trivia for that. Uh, At the same time, the Klingons seem to have this new weapon, some kind of energy beam. It's so powerful that can immobilize the Enterprise, like shutting down all their equipment, basically. Um, And Spock figures out that the energy beam on that ship must take a ton of energy from the Klingon ship. So if they use the two drone ships that they have that are not under the beam right now as a distraction... And they do that. So when the, the Klingon ship tries to use the beam on all three ships at once, it runs out of power and it's like, oh, shit, and it runs away. But in the skirmish, one of the drone ships is damaged. So they have to beam all the grain on board that ship onto the Enterprise and leave the mm-hmm. ship behind. So back to Cyrano, Cyrano Jones, he's supposed to be back on Space Station K7, the one we had in the other episode, cleaning up all the triples that he caused to populate there as his punishment for doing so in the first place. But he seems to have gotten out of it by discovering this something called a glomer. It's this little creature that apparently feeds on triples. And he claims that's how his job got done so quickly. Uh, this little weird-looking alien thing that he has in his pocket. He also claims that he's now selling these new pink triples, these safe triples, that are genetically modified to not reproduce. So they're safe. They don't uh, take over entire planets. But then the Klingons return, demanding that the Enterprise turn over Cyrano Jones to them. But they won't say why just yet. Uh, the Klingons use their energy weapon on the Enterprise again, so Kirk has all of Cyrano's tribbles beamed over to the Klingon ship, or at least some of them. And the Klingons, as we know, hate tribbles, and so the, the tribbles hate Klingons as well. And now the Klingons are at a disadvantage. The Klingon captain Koloff, who we've seen before in the original series, uh, tells Kirk that Cyrano has caused tribbles to overrun several Klingon planets, and the Klingons genetically engineered the glomer, that little tribble eater thing that uh, Cyrano stole. And it's the only way they have to control to control their triple invasion they're having right now. So they're trying to get it back because he stole it from them. But in the meantime, while all this is happening, all the triples on the Enterprise have broken into the grain stores that they beamed on board from the drone ship. And they aren't reproducing, but they're growing larger and larger by the minutes. They're becoming huge triples. So Kirk returns the glomer creature to the Klingons, but it is scared by the huge triples. So one of the Klingons shoots one of the huge triples and it turns into a bunch of smaller triples. <laughs> which the glomer can then eat eventually. But as for the rest of the triples that are still on the Enterprise, Bones gives all of them uh, these shots to slow down their metabolic rate so they don't continue to grow so large. And they also find out that there are a bunch of little triples inside of a giant triple. Um, And so Cyrano is then sent back to Starfleet to face the consequences of his actions. And we have the end of the episode. So, Steve, what did you think of this one? All right. So some things I liked. Um, Good gripping intro. The Klingon chase and the introduction of a new weapon. I like that we got to see old school Klingons. Yeah. And that they were definitely voiced by Doohan. Yeah, absolutely. You could hear it very clearly this time. They did not bring back I the old Klingon the, actor. I love the return of Cyrano Jones. Mm. 
Uh, that was just, he, he was one of the better characters from the original series. Um, I thought it was interesting, the angle of the Tribbles that don't reproduce as far as like, what are they going to do with Tribbles this time? Yeah. Um, I loved just the, the comedy of the negotiation with the, uh, with the Klingon and the, the giant Tribble just goes rolling through the back of the frame. <laughs> I just thought that was real good. Uh, the Glomer was like a kind of a clever device. Um, and it was nice, the, the misdirect about why they were going after Cyrano. Mm-hmm. It was like a nice angle they played. And then, then the callback of Kirk covered in yet another pile of Tribbles <laughs> was a nice homage. Yeah. Some things I struggled with a little bit. Uh, tribbles and ships filled with grain. Again. <laughs> that was like literally the setup from the first, the original one. True. That they were grain stores that they were taking somewhere to help, I think, starving people, if I remember correctly. Um, if they were, so they, at one point, they're trying to beam on the pilot of this vessel that's being chased by the Klingons. And he's like, I got him, Captain. They got to phase him in. Uh, and if they're only targeting the pilot, then why the hell did four additional pilot piles of tribbles come over without any issue? <laughs> I feel like the excuse for that could be they he was just beaming over all the organic matter that was on that ship or anything living, and he beamed it over, Maybe. and they all came over. But then the follow-up to that was, you know, you, you know Tribbles, you know what they do. You've had issues with them before, whether you trust them or not as to that they're safe or not. But how the hell did they not keep track of all the Tribbles again? Yeah, they left them, like, free range of the ship. It was weird. Like, and suddenly they were in the grain stores, and they went, what the, how did they not quarantine all those things immediately? It's not like they're... Not like they're Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> they're little. They don't even have legs from what we can tell. And the first part, they were smart. As soon as Kirk sees them beamed in, he's like, lock down this room. And I'm like, oh, cool. They're actually being smart about it. He's like, locked down this room. And then apparently later on, just let, lets them all over the ship. Like, what happened? Yeah. They forgot to get the memo to the new guy. And he's like, oh, what the hell are these things? <laughs> I might as well let them out. <laughs> um, so fun. Some fun callbacks. The original series. Um between the Klingons of Tribbles and Cyrano, but the device wasn't super smart and it felt really forced in that regard. And so because of that, this will probably end up a middle episode for me. So for me, I am giving a little more credit because I didn't think of so much about those, those plot holes, which are true. And like the repetition of the same plot, basically just because the writing on this particular animated episode felt so much like the original series, live action episodes, like there was so much funny banter between Spock and Bones that felt really authentic and really funny. Um, the, the, one, the very Kirk moments, like when the uh, Cerno beams on board, he's like, I think we know that man. <laughs> That's, it was delivered so Kirk-like. <laughs> and the other thing was, so Kirk. <laughs> he said, uh, how fat do these things get? And I just started cracking up. Um, so it's an, definitely an upper middle episode for me, if not one of the best ones I've seen so far in the animated series. I'm going that far. But okay, but then we're gonna be something else could blow it out of the water. So we'll see. I haven't watched them in a long time. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we got a lot more to get through too. That's true. We'll get there eventually. So Do some trivia for this episode: factoids. We, some factoids. We have uh, David Gerald, one of the writer producers on this show, um, and on the original series. Uh, his original idea for this episode was that the triple predators would breed as fast as the triples. So that little glomer thing, there'd be like a bunch of them, and they they would breed as fast as the triples. And crew members would then begin to go missing, implying that the Predators ate them. So the Predators got so big that they would eat humans and the Tribbles. But producers felt that would be too violent for a Saturday morning cartoon, so they they nixed that idea. (laughs) 
the episode had been proposed for the original live action series. So they were going to do this as a sequel episode in the original series, but didn't get around to it. But also because producer Fred Freiberger uh, disliked the triple episode to begin with. And he didn't want another one because he was like, I already hated that one. I don't want another one, even though it's like one of the most loved episodes of the series. Um <laughs> A moment in the briefing scene when Kirk raises one of his hands over his mouth, uh, lessening the amount of lip movements visible on screen, was added in because it allowed animators to decrease the time it took to sync the character's lip movements to William, William Shatner's voice. So it's just, it's just a cheap way for them like, put his hand over his face for no reason. <laughs> that happens a lot in this animated series, actually. Um, and last thing, there is a longstanding anecdotal urban legend explaining that the triples are colored pink and not the brown previously shown in Star Trek The Trouble with Tribbles, because director Hal Sutherland was colorblind. That's the reason that's, a, that's an urban legend. But the actuality is that while art director Don Christensen did suffer from colorblindness, he did not choose the vivid color palette featured so heavily in many animated episodes. Someone named Irv Kaplan, who was in charge of picking the hues, thought the bright colors would offer more appeal to the Saturday morning audience. Uh, the Klingons tunics and the Zintis, apparently somebody else will run into later on, spacesuits, are colored pink for the same reason. So there's a lot of pinks and bright colors that weren't in the normal episodes because, like, it's a cartoon now. We should get bright and crazy. So there wasn't really a in-canon reason why they're suddenly pink for some reason. <laughs> it's just they're pink because it was for kids. Like it's I- for kids. <laughs> so they're pink now. <laughs> Even the dialogue for the show is not for kids. Like, this too techno babble heavy like kids would i think they'd be bored with this show but i like it um but what are trek connection muppet connections this time around steve oh boy are they tenuous <laughs> uh phyllis was a panelist on hollywood squares in the 70s mm-hmm. uh, people that have also appeared as panelists during that time frame are william shatner and ricardo montalban and leonard nimoy very nice not on the same episode though because they were all in hollywood square at some point <laughs> Very similar. She was also a celebrity guest on the $10,000 Pyramid, as was William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> I think any 70s actor or performer, you can match through those episodes of those shows. So, yeah. Or Love Boat. Yeah, it's like that. Love Boat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but these are basically the same episode, though, right? They really were. You know, I mean, uh, we have Cyrano Jones thinks he finally has his ticket to success with the genetically modified triples and the triple eater. But in the end, he gets nothing, just like how Miss Piggy thinks she's finally going to get the accolades, recognition and awards she deserves. But in the end, she gets nothing but a kiss. She gets a kiss. She does. <laughs> uh, both feature revisiting prior guests, the musical number from Scooter talking about all the prior stars and the return of Cyrano Jones. Oh, that's a good series. one. That's a really good one. Yeah. Uh, I have while. the Swedish chef goes around the grocery store picking up small, cute, genetically modified organisms that make cute noises. Just as Kirk mm-hmm. goes yeah. around the Enterprise collecting small, cute, genetically modified tribbles at the end of the episode. Mine is very similar. Both feature abnormal creatures, talking produce, talking luggage and the walking mountains and then the new tribble version. Very well done. That's true. Oh, what's that noise? Transporter malfunction. Transporter malfunction. All right, so it's that part of the episode where we transport one character from one episode to the other and vice versa. So what you got for us, Steve? Well, this week, Muppet to Trek, I'm going to transport the talking produce to replace the Tribbles, with them growing larger and larger with turnips threatening to take over the ship. <laughs> Mine's pretty similar, but different. Um, I have the Swedish chef and the vegetables to come replace the Klingons. 
Uh, Swedish chef will be the king of the, uh, not the king, the captain of the Klingon ship. And the whole episode would just be Kirk and the crew trying to find out what the hell the Klingons want because they can't understand anything they're saying. And they'd all just blow up in the confusion. <laughs> I could see that. Uh, Trick to Muppets. I would love to have Scooter uh, go over and sing the Modern Major General song, but have it recap various Star Trek characters and villains. Of Ooh, the week. I like that. I'd yeah. watch that the hell out yeah. of that. I would watch the hell out of that. Mm-hmm. Star Trek to Muppets. I have Sereno Jones would go to replace Phyllis George. Uh, I feel like he'd be a charismatic <laughs> award show host. So he'd be like, well, today we that. have this. <laughs> Cat Kermit wins. <laughs> and then we get an animated Phyllis George and the other one as a trade-off. It all works out. Well, that's be fantastic. I didn't think about them being animated. That's true. We get to have these human beings become animated characters. <laughs> we get animated Scooter. That's right. <laughs> Uh, so that brings us to the end of episode 85 of the Muppet Trek podcast. Join us next time for the Muppet Show with special guest Dizzy Gillespie. And animated series episode The Survivor. So from the lovers, the dreamers, and us. Live long and prosper, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Muppet Trek podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. This podcast has been brought to you by A Play on Nerds.